What can we learn from our residents about being a better physician? How has residency training changed in the recent years? What are the most important issues residents are facing these days? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey everybody, it's Andrew and welcome back to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I'm so happy you're here. For my returning listeners, welcome back and thank you so much. For my new listeners, welcome, because today, Like on every episode, we're talking to the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. This week, we feature part two of the Learner Sessions with Dr. Christian Castile. He's a current PGY-1 emergency medicine resident at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. Shout out to Rush. That's where my wife did her rheumatology fellowship. He received his Bachelor's of Science in Cell and Molecular Biology from Missouri State University and attended medical school at Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences. Christian is from a small town called High Ridge, Missouri, and a first-generation high school, college, and medical school graduate. His career interests include social emergency medicine, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and medical education. Advocating for greater social, economic, and racial diversity in medicine is a particular passion of his. Outside of medicine, he thinks of himself as more of a guitar player and skateboarder than a doctor. Well, I'm excited. Let's get Christian up onto the show. Dr. Christian Castile, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Hey, Doc. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, So I already recorded a little bit about you for the listeners, but uh, in your own words, can you kind of tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. So um, I am currently a PGY-1 emergency medicine resident at Rush University in Chicago. I'm about six months in now to my intern year. I'm from a small town in Missouri called High Ridge, probably like 45 minutes um, south of St. Louis. I did undergrad in Springfield, Missouri, and then went to Kansas City for medical school. So this is my first experience living outside of, of Missouri. Um, but outside of the medicine thing, um, you know, I think of myself more as like a guitar player slash skateboarder than a doctor. But um, but lately, the doctor thing's been taking over most of that, unfortunately. But <laughs> well, Christian, you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not, I'm sorry to tell you that you are. But, um, we were talking before the show about uh, Chicago and, and Rush a little mm-hmm. bit because I have some connections to there as well. But um, I, I brought you on the show to talk about the residency perspective in my in my new learner level series. So um, you are a resident, in fact, mm-hmm. um, in actually a fairly new uh, program. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about how you felt going into a program that's only been around for a few years and and maybe uh, why you felt that like that was a good fit? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the program's going on like year six now. Yeah. I think we've graduated one, one class or two. I don't remember exactly, but um, yeah, I I will say rush that, you know, there's a lot of new programs opening up with emergency medicine and rush had a little bit of a different, um, a situation as far as new programs go where Rush is already, you know, it's already like an established med school and had been a hospital for, 
you know, a very long time and with pretty much every other specialty under the sun for and just for whatever reason, never had their own emergency program. But they've been working on it for a long, long time, uh, getting it off the ground. Um, but for me, uh, my biggest factor for residency was location. I, I did want to just I'd been in Missouri my whole life and I, I knew I wanted to just expand my horizons a little bit, especially, you know, in, with emergency training. Um, to just kind of give me a better, um, make me feel more prepared to kind of go anywhere after residency by training kind of a bigger place, more diverse patient population. So Chicago is like always top of my list in terms of location. Um, I did, uh, I had a friend at Rush. Um, he's a PGY2 there. I worked with him through, uh, we were on the Emra Medical Student Council together. And we, uh, we met at CORD one year when we were both medical students. And, and uh, he ended up going there. So I was just picking his brain on the program throughout my M3 year, M4 year, um, and really just kind of sold me on it. Um, you know, it, outside of the location, they had a really big uh, um, prominent like diversity, equity, inclusion um, um, representation there at the university on the emergency level, but as well on like the institutional level as well throughout the whole uh, medical center. Um, and all the residents just felt, you know, really well supported there from when I talked to them. And so far, that's definitely um, bore out to be true. Um, I'm having a blast here. Um, you know, intern year is pretty hard, but I, I'm actually having a really great time learning a ton. And um, just had lots of opportunities to kind of go down my particular uh, professional interest that I wanted to go down as it relates to medicine here as well, which has been nice. Yeah. I mean, um, it helps that you pick the best specialty, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that that's is pretty cool. helpful. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that, you know, it may, it may hurt some people when I say this and from, I, you know, I grew up in New York city but Chicago is the best city in the country. <laughs> <laughs> I do love New York, though. But I went a couple times in med school, and those were my top two places for residency were New York and Chicago. But I do really love Chicago being here, and especially coming from a small town. I mean, even just a random day off like today, it, I, I can make like a mini vacation out of it, essentially. There's just so much to do in walking distance, uh, which is great. It's really true. Any of the listeners who have not been to Chicago, go to Chicago, preferably in the summer, but right, take, for sure. take a look. So, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit, Christian, you know, what, yeah. what do you feel are, are some of the challenges that this generation of resident physicians are going through? Now, there have been a lot of changes throughout the years to duty hour, duty hours. Um, there's been changes to the overall, like, structure of residency. There's been changes to really the the model of residency, although some of it is still sure. pretty antiquated, a little less so in our specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know COVID is going to be one of the big ones, but we'll talk about COVID. But in addition to COVID, what do you think is unique to your generation of resident physicians as far as challenges go? Yeah. And so the, the increasing debt burden, it um, it's not as silent as some people like to think. It definitely acts as a distractor during residency, or at least it has for, for me and some of my other colleagues with considerably large debt burdens. And um, it's an unfortunate aspect. You know, I remember being a scribe um, in undergrad and working with ER docs who their entire medical school cost them like 20K, 30K, you know, just obscenely low numbers by today's standards. Um, 
allowing them to kind of live a little bit better during residency than uh, maybe some of us. But um, that's kind of the big obvious one. Um, and as far as work hours goes, you know, it's very specialty specific. Um, I'll say as emergency residents, there's quite a bit of variability. If your program's doing eight, 10, 12 hour shifts, we're probably going to have a different um, experience as far as, as workload. Um, but those ER shifts um, are pretty brutal. Um, even though I think we, we work less hours per week than other specialties, like say surgery. Um, those hours are pretty brutal where we're on our feet most of the time, not a lot of downtime. Um, but it, other, um, another aspect is just, you know, it's kind of being the resident generation that's, in my experience, been most prominent with like social media. I mean, you go, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, activity, obviously through med Twitter is kind of how this conversation got set up. Even um, I'm not sure stuff like this was happening, you know, 10, 15 plus years ago. Um, it just medical education through social media as well is super interesting. I'm every day I pop on Twitter, I'm like learning a new clinical pearl or something to take in, you know, into my shift, which is pretty, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, and then the obvious one is COVID, um, you know, this, and this is, this goes for attendings too, you know, everyone's experiencing this, but going through the application cycle during COVID with the virtual interviews for the first time in, in history was a big struggle for a lot of people and a lot of unknowns. And then, you know, we essentially were, we had to pick a place to tr- spend our uh, entire residency training that we couldn't ever visit or meet anybody in person. And that, uh, that definitely was scary. And, you know, I'm not sure for me, it worked out great, but I'm not sure, you know, it's going to be individual you know, specific. Some people, you know, maybe they got there and it wasn't what they thought it was through the virtual experience. But uh, so that was an unfortunate risk. A lot of us had to take last year. Yeah. Certainly not the the fourth year medical school. Anyone had expected, um, yeah, I think those are all great points that, you know, we've talked about debt on the show quite a few times, but it, it really can't be underplayed. Um, because again, when, when you are a resident with four or five, six, sometimes hundred thousand dollars of debt, um, that continues to build, uh, and you're paying, you know, six bucks a month towards it. Um, you know, it's certainly, it affects your job choices. It affects your quality of life. It, it affects a lot of things. So, um, yeah, I agree that that is certainly a broken system that uh, hopefully will be addressed in coming years. Um, social media is very interesting. I think the whole like uh, foam ed, the free online uh, medical right. education movement really started when I was in residency and, and has exploded. Um, and yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm learning all kinds of things daily uh, that I never would have thought of um, or never would have had access to um, unless you went to like a once a year conference or something, you know. Yeah. Um, and we're getting it within within minutes. Uh, so that's really interesting. Um, and and certainly was not present previously and, and COVID. Yeah, it, you know, I, I like to say I have some friends that are new attendings, you know, it, it was never like this. <laughs> and COVID is it's, it's not even just the COVID patients. It's really just lately, it's just been everybody's been so sick with everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, it really wasn't like this even just like two years ago. So uh, there's a, there's certainly a lot of challenges, challenges there. Um, but there's a lot of good things coming from kind of your generation of residency, uh, residents as well. We, uh, we're seeing a lot more focus on wellness, uh, a lot more focus on burnout mitigation strategies, uh, as well as, um, being more champions for, for equity and inclusion and, and all kinds of things. Uh, the elephant in the room in medicine that, that is still around in a lot of parts of the country. So I think, um, you 
as a, your this current generation of residents as a whole has been a lot more active um, than even just mine. That, yeah, 100% agree. Um, it definitely feels like an inflection point in our generation as far as really kind of facing the the burnout thing head on and some of the more toxic aspects in, in medicine culture that have just kind of been, you know, accepted as the way it is. Um, you know, medical students and, and residents, especially have historically not had a lot of um, a lot of power to leverage, you know, facing these things head on, you know, there's a lot of potential risk in doing that. Um, but I think now, you know, our generation is a lot more emboldened to tackle those things. Um, and you were, I mean, we're even seeing parts of the medical institution, like openly, um, challenging these things. And, you know, like you said, coming up with mitigation strategies as well. And also another reason why, you know, just being here at Rush, I mean, it's the same thing. I would say in Chicago in general, there's a lot, a lot of these programs around here are very heavy on the wellness diversity, equity, inclusion, social EM. And, you know, I've had tons of opportunities to be uh, involved in, in committees and things like that. And just my you know first six months of residency. And um, that definitely was, was, um, was a plus and more than I anticipated uh, more opportunities than I anticipated for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it used to be like, you know, it's like the military, don't volunteer for anything, uh, put your head down and get through. Right. Um, but that there's been certainly a, a shift, not everywhere, but, um, so, and so, certain fields are, are, are leading the charge more than others, but, um, right. it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting to see. Um, I want to shift the focus to mentorship and, uh, and what makes a good teacher a little bit. So, you know, as a resident, you, you get to experience lots of di- different teaching styles, um, is there, you know, I know you, you've only been a resident for a number of months now, but was there a specific attending or, or someone you worked with that really had an impact on you, um, thus far and, and, and what might that be? And if you don't have a specific story, then maybe we could discuss a little bit about what you think makes a good attending. There are a lot of podcasts out there, murder mysteries, breaking news. There's even a podcast about garden gnomes, but instead you are here learning how to be the best physician you can be. Smart move. Do you know what else is a smart move? Working a locum tenens assignment with Comp Health. Now I know what you're thinking. You already have a job, but that's the best part. You can work flexible locum assignments on the side for extra income, or you can work locums full-time too. And to top it all off, Locums almost always pays more on average. Just head to financialresidency.com slash comp health and see what locums can do for you financially. Sure. I, I'm a huge fan. And this, you know, maybe this is a little bit just of a personal preference, but I mean, it, it sounds simple, but, but just positive reinforcement. It's, it's so, it's very underrated. You know, if, if you come, if it's a resident, you know, if I come up with a plan or a differential or something, um, it's almost subconscious and you're like, Oh yeah, no, that was a good thought. Um, or, you know, great job with that presentation or something like that. You know, that does a lot. And, you know, some attendings and, you know, through I've experienced throughout medical school and uh, through residency, um, you know, you may be on it, like just nailing everything on the shift with, you know, being, you know, on top of all your patients following through and, you know, some, some attendings are, are more likely than others to actually just like acknowledge those things. And, you know, as a resident, as an intern, there's so much going on. I'm trying to like assimilate and, and absorb that, you know, it's hard for us to gauge how we're doing because we don't really know what the standard is. Like, how should I be operating at this level as an intern in terms of my patient load, in terms of, um, you know, where I should be with my, you know, coming up with my differentials and my, and my work 
workflow and things like that. Um, and just having someone to stop and say, you know, you are, you know, it, it just being honest about where you are in that, in that situation. Um, and the positive reinforcement goes a long way. I've definitely worked with some attendings, not necessarily in my program, but maybe in some off service rotations where I feel like I, you can do everything right and hear nothing. And then you miss one little seemingly insignificant thing. And then you just get hammered for it. And that just, you know, makes you feel like crap the rest of the day. And, um, kind of is a little bit demoralizing. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of that approach. It's, it's so, it's so simple and easy just to in real time, give people positive feedback and reinforcement, you know, not to say that you shouldn't give, you know, feedback and constructive criticism, but there's a balance there. Um, that I think is, would work for most people. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And, and you really don't see it. You don't see it all that much too, once you get out. Um, we, and it's still important. Just a brief, funny story. I, I, uh, I was working one day and, uh, EMS brought in a, a, you know, respiratory distress, um, that was, you know, they were around the corner and so they brought it to us and, and they had to get intubated right on arrival and, and what have you. And, uh, I was like, great job guys. And they thought I was being sarcastic and <laughs> like put in a, like put in a complaint saying I was being mean to them wow. when in fact, I literally was just saying like, great job. You did a nice job. It's, <laughs> so it's so rare now that people even just, even like our EMS colleagues and, and other people just get positive reinforcement that um, right. it, it is important. It, it is really important to, to hear that you, you know, cause maybe it's something simple for the attendings, um, but it's a big deal for, for the learners. So um, I think that that is a great point. And, and there's certainly a way to deliver feedback um, yeah. that's uh, hopefully, hopefully changing the old, some of the things uh, I, I used to get told as a student, I won't repeat here, but um, it's, uh, I think the tide has been shifting to uh, a little bit more, um, you know, we're all adults and we shouldn't sure. be talked to in a way that is, uh, exactly. you know, absurd. So, uh, um, yeah, that's great. Uh, and so what do you think as far as the new attending, you know, let's say, I, I know it might be a little weird from uh, a first year resident to be given advice to attendings, but it doesn't matter. We all have our, our unique perspectives, right? So as a new attending, who's maybe kind of worried, uh, going out there and, and taking a teaching position and, and teaching residents, you know, what kind of advice do you have for, for the early new attending, um, coming from a resident? Yeah. Um, I mean, as an intern, I, I really appreciate when at the beginning of the shift, um, the attending just kind of sets the tone for, Hey, this is kind of our goals. This is how, this is my typical workflow. This is how, you know, what I think you should be doing. Cause you know, sometimes we have medical students and every attending has a little bit different way of practicing. And, um, sometimes it's, it's a little confusing when I come in with a new attending and maybe we have a med student or a PA student or something. Um, and I'm, I'm confused about the flow. You know, should I see patients with the med student? Do we do them separately? Then both present to you. Should the med student present to me? Then I present to you. So it's just like, you know, I really appreciate it when, you know, the attendees is like, right, you guys can both see your own patients and present to me or, you know, just sets, sets the tone on exactly just how the flow should go for the shift. Like that just really, in my opinion, just sets things off on a good, on a good note. And, just so there's no confusion during the shift about who's seeing who and who should present, who's doing the note for that patient, especially when they have multiple residents or like uh, med students on board. Um, 
because sometimes, you know, some, sometimes that isn't communicated and it's just, it just gets a little messy. And I think it's super easy to ameliorate that just by, you know, starting off the shift by that. Um, that's the biggest one for sure. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's setting expectations, you know, and it also from the attending perspective makes you feel a little bit better because you know, everybody's on the same page. Right. right. Um, and yeah, when you have multiple learners and you're a new attending, cause you know, I will tell you, I'm sure you've heard it before, but your first year out of residency is, is probably the most challenging year. Um, so you're a new attending, you're figuring out your own workflow and you got learners, but just taking a minute to be like, Hey guys, this is what we're doing today. Um, and this is how I want it to go. Um, it, it helps everybody feel at ease. Nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great point. So Christian, we're, uh, we're running out of a little bit of time here. So I wanted to shift the show to get to know you a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you've had a lot of opportunities to focus on your own specific interest in medicine. Uh, could you share what those are? Yeah. So, you know, my biggest kind of, um, kind of focus for me is, you know, one, one diversity, I've been inclusion. I, I do feel that, you know, medicine, you know, the data shows this. we suffer from, you know, having a cohort of residents, medical students and physicians that what I would argue appropriately represent the population that, that we serve, you know, racially, gender and socioeconomically as well. Um, so that was kind of a big focus for me. I, you know, I come from a pretty low income household first to graduate high school. And honestly, to me, like getting in a, getting to medical school was a giant culture shock by just some of the you know, the, the upbringings of, I would say the vast majority of my classmates. Um, and you know, I almost, you know, everyone has a little bit of imposter syndrome. Um, um, but you know, I feel like for those people who are in, you know, underrepresented in, uh, in medicine, then the imposter syndrome is, is amplified in that way, just because you really are, you know, based on the data, you really are not, you know, the, the average person in medicine. Um, and you know, I realized this through my, even through my attendings, I'm like, oh, they live very different lives than I did. But so, you know, I have an interest in just basically trying to, you know, mentor uh, underrepresented and people in medicine. I, you know, I do that through the EMRA diversity uh, mentorship initiative, as well as through the diversity equity inclusion committee here at Rush. We have a program, a mentorship and tutoring program uh, called Strive, where we just do tutoring sessions for the underrepresented in medicine. And just personally, I just being on, on Twitter and, and posting my thoughts about these things. And, you know, I know there's a lot of pre-meds on Twitter that I remember the struggles of being a pre-med and, and not having any family who ever went to school or finished high school. And it just felt you feel so lost. And I, I, I think there's utility in, you know, people from similar backgrounds as that or as me, you know, posting their experience who have made it in medicine and, you know, because you're, you're gonna, you're gonna help someone. My pathway to medicine was essentially, I met a guy in the gym one day, I didn't know anything about medicine. And I met him in the gym, we became best friends. And we had like a general chemistry class together, freshman year. And his dad was a doctor and he like told me all about it. And I mean, if I never met that guy, I don't know if I'd ever be in medicine, because I just didn't know about it. And we lose out on so many potential, you know, um, doctors in my opinion just for lack of you know knowing how to get how to navigate this career path or even knowing that it's even a, a viable option i never would have in a million years thought you know someone like me could become a physician it just seemed silly almost um you know no one in my 
town ever did anything like that. So it just didn't even cross my mind as an option. And so I think just going out and, and targeting people in like the high school, middle school level, particularly in low socioeconomic areas and just telling them, Hey, you, you can be a doctor. This is how you do it. Um, you know, it's a potential to, to, to change the demographics of the physician cohort in the future, hopefully. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I had uh, Dr. David Roney on here a few episodes ago who said he didn't even know he was smart until he was oh, in yeah. the military. Um, and, and so in some of these classes, you know, coming from, from a disadvantaged background. So, uh, absolutely. You're doing great work there. So that's, uh, that's wonderful. Do you, um, do you have a book recommendation for the listeners? Could be out of any genre. Ooh, so I'm kind of a, <laughs> so I, you know, I was never one of those like motivational book reader types, but I, I was always into sci-fi books. So I'm kind Same. Of <laughs> um, so I mean, my, my, like my urge is to recommend like some Isaac Asimov, foundation series or something but it has nothing to do with medicine or inspiring that's okay but uh i think those books are great i've always and i and i do thank the science the sci-fi like those things is getting me into science in general which you know you could you could say was a catalyst of, of setting me on towards the path to science and medicine for sure especially if you come from a lower socioeconomic background you're not surrounded by a lot of tech science minded um, people that have, you know, professional uh, degrees or careers. Um, and so that's kind of your only that for me, I felt like YouTube and, and, and those kind of sci-fi shows and books were the only you know way for me to experience that and kind of open my eyes, to like advanced medicine and things like that, which is kind of interesting in retrospect to think about. Plus they're just really fun to read. Oh, yeah. okay. absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a sci-fi nerd myself, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I agree. Like, uh, I certainly, I certainly fit the right, um, ethnic, uh, background sure. for, uh, my peers, but, you know, I, I grew up in a one bedroom apartment. My mother never went to college. You know, my father just had a, um, uh, it works for imports and exports kind of thing, you know, and I had no doctors in the family either. And it, it certainly the culture shock in medical school was, was unbelievable honestly um but yeah no, i think uh, i think there's something to be said for for some of the science fiction um surrounding you with science where you wouldn't otherwise have been so right. um you've given us a bunch of advice already on the show but um let's say uh one piece of advice for your fellow residents um in let's say across medicine and one piece of advice for the early attending sure yeah so my my piece of advice for residents is I, I, this is this is something I started in medical school and I, it's really worked for me. Is I I say yes to almost every opportunity that comes my way. I think maybe it's a product of me coming from an environment where there was a severe lack of opportunities, and I really realized that as I progressed through my academic career. To where now in medicine, there's just so many opportunities um, throughout these medical institutions. I say yes to everything podcast, um, you know, research, someone wants help with a project, uh, mentoring, being on a committee, you know, within reason, obviously, but I say yes to everything. I know even a lot of my, you know, co-interns and, and other specialties, people I went to med school with, they're like, you know, I'm just too busy for that. And I'm just like, just say yes. And you will, you will be shocked at how much you're actually able to do outside of residency you know, when you push yourself to do it, like, you know, don't, don't let the fear of saying, oh, I'm too busy, 
just say yes. And naturally the things that you want and are able to do, you know, are going to stick and the extraneous stuff will fall off. But I think at the end, you're going to be very surprised that, wow, I did all that during my intern year. I did all that during residency. I didn't think I'd be able to, to, to balance all these things. Um, so I'm, I'm a big say yes, sir, to opportunities that come your way, especially for, you know, young medical students and residents. Um, for attendings, it's just, uh, and this kind of goes without saying, but I mean, just remember, just remember what it was like being an intern. Like I, I get it. I, I definitely, I find myself forgetting what it was like to be a medical student until I work with them. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I remember literally not knowing anything. Um, and you know, it's kind of hard to unlearn that, you know, once you've already progressed and learned a certain way. Um, so just remember what it was like to be, you know, uh, an intern whenever you're working with the, with the resident, cause you know, it just may help. It'll help everyone, you know, it'll help your, the teaching for the resident, just kind of bringing yourself on their level, um, and working your, and working them up, you know, where you would like them to be. Um, you know, some, some attendings definitely forget that. And you're like, how on earth was I expected to know this as an intern? Like, I, you know, it's my first day or something. Um, most attendings though are, are really good about that, particularly the young attendings, um, for sure. Yeah, that's great advice. And the say yes to things uh, will also apply to early attendings. Um, just, you know, within reason, don't take it, don't get taken advantage of and, and know your worth, but, but certainly, um, saying yes to opportunities lead to more opportunities. So, and I personally have never said no to an interview. Um, so that's, uh, you never do know. Right. Um, Christian, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing your insight with the audience. Uh, you know, I think this was a, a wonderful chat uh, and, and glad to have one of the some you know lower lower level, but uh, still quite uh, insightful trainee on the show. And, and I really am enjoying this um, learner series. So thank you again. Of course. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me on. Um, if people want to find you online, uh, I know you're on Twitter. Uh, is there anywhere else you hang out? Yeah, Twitter's Twitter's a good a good uh, online way to to reach me or Facebook. I don't think I I don't think I privatize anything. Obviously, I I, I very much enjoy when when people reach out um, or anywhere in the South Loop of Chicago hanging out. You probably find me. Fair enough. All right, Christian. Best of luck. Right. Uh, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. What an awesome session with. Dr. Christian Castile. I love getting the learner's perspective because it really is so amazing how things change in just a few short years. I really enjoyed his perspective on the difficulties of the current post and intra-pandemic world we're living in with COVID, student loans, diversity, equity, inclusion, and much more. If you enjoyed this show, please do me a favor, tell two of your friends and then leave me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the show out there. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is visit my website at andrewtisserdo.com where you can find trusted partners, all the podcasts, and much more free information. That's all I have for today, everybody. So as always, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.